Hey, Jacob's World Podcast. I have a super important question for you. This week in the message, I want to ask you, are you free? And if you're free, are you living in the freedom that you have? Now, you might be thinking about political freedom or economic freedom or situational freedom, but I'm talking about something much more important, something that is eternal. I'm talking about spiritual freedom. Are you free? Let's dive in. Hey, Jacobs. Well, I'm so glad that you are checking us out online. Do you realize that in three weeks, we as a faith community are going to start gathering up again in large groups? That's right, the weekend of August 16th. On that Sunday morning, you can go on our website and check it out. We are going to start gathering up again. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to be doing it in a really safe way that makes everybody feel welcomed and comfortable. And we're just excited about it. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, no. I'm not ready to come back. I've got some issues that are keeping me just doing severe uh, and, and reasonable social distancing. And so I'm not ready. Well, the good news for you is that we're going to continue offering online worship, online services throughout this next year so that if you're not able to come or you're not just at a place where you're, you're, you're ready to come, online church is going to be there for you as well. So we're very excited about that. Now, this weekend, I want to start by asking you a really important question. And it's a question that I want you to hear with fresh ears. I want to ask the question, are you free? Everybody just close their eyes for just a minute. Just go ahead and close your eyes. Now, the rest of you, close your eyes, okay? All right, so close your eyes and ask yourself, with the Holy Spirit speaking to you, do I feel free? Do I live free? Am I free? Now, 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 just as that thought comes to you, just let spirit speak to you. Okay, everybody, open your eyes and look at me again. Now, here, here's the thing about it, is that very often when we as Americans talk about whether or not we're free, the first thing we want to say is, yeah, we're free, we're Americans. Or we want to say something like, oh, man, I'm worried about our freedoms and our political freedoms and our social freedoms and those kinds of things. And don't get me wrong, those things are important. They're a great gift. We have to be stewards of them. But the freedom I want to talk about this weekend is so much more profound because it has to do with eternal freedom. It's so much more significant because it's the freedom that comes from God. It's the spiritual freedom. And, and I'm kind of surprised how many Christians are super concerned about their temporary temporal freedom, but they're not concerned at all about the spiritual freedom that is constantly in danger, and that is what the passage of Scripture is all about that we're going to look at today. Now, in order to really understand this, this passage, and I would say in order to understand the entire Bible and especially the New Testament, we're going to be talking about two topics. We're going to begin talking about them today, but we're going to be talking about them a lot in the next several weeks. Two topics that we think don't have anything to do with us anymore today, but they were very real for them today, and spiritually speaking, they're very real for us today, too. And the two topics are, one, is idolatry. Now, some of us are going to say, I don't have any idols in my home. I don't have any little statues or anything like that. Just worship Jesus, all that. But, but idolatry is still an issue. We're going to talk about that. And the second is slavery. Now, now, slavery is something that has been part of the human condition since the beginning of the human condition. That somehow or another, in our brokenness and our sinfulness, Somebody thinks that because of my birth or my position or because I have power or because I have money, I should be able to dominate, control, use, abuse another human being. Well, one of the things we just need to understand to understand the New Testament is that that is established during the time the Bible was written. It was a major issue. In fact, there are some who have estimated that over half 
the Roman population, particularly in certain areas, but half the Roman population were actually slaves. And so over the next several weeks and indeed months and even into the fall as we dive into the book of Acts, we're going to be talking a lot about this thing of slavery. We're going to unpack it. We're going to try to understand it. We're going to talk about how the church responded to it. And we're going to seek to understand it. Now, this week, what's important for us to understand is that the Apostle Paul takes these two concepts of idolatry and slavery, and he starts unpacking them from a spiritual perspective. And so this is a really important teaching for you to understand. This passage, the book of Galatians, and indeed the entire New Testament And actually, your own life. So let's go ahead and take a look. So what we're going to be talking about this weekend is a passage of Scripture that calls us to make a choice. Are we as Christians going to live as children or are we going to live as slaves? Now that's a big question. Don't go past it too quickly. Because you are living as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is assuming you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You are either living as a child of God or as a slave to some other false god, okay? And so when we understand that, it changes everything. And this is one thing I've said before. I want you to hear it again. Let this sing in your mind into your heart. Any god but the true god is a cruel god. Let me just say that again. Any god but the true god is a cruel god. Now the true god, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... He invites you into family. He gives to you. He sacrifices for you. He sent his son for you. He loves you. He has a plan, a destiny. Any other God, any other false God, anything we set up in our life to be in the primary place of our life, it will use us. It will take from us. It will disappoint us. It will ruin our heart, our mind, our relationship. Any God but the true God is a cruel God. So when we get to the text, you're going to see the Apostle Paul use some really strong language because he no longer wants us to live as slaves. Because here's the thing. The true God sets you free. A false God, a false idol, enslaves you. So again, are you going to live as a child of God or as a slave to some other thing? Worshiping anything but the true God leads to slavery, okay? That's just what you need to understand. So what is an idol? An idol is going to be anything you put in the position of God. Anything you give primacy in your life, anything you give priority to, anything you're living through, living to, your source of joy, your source of meaning, your source of purpose, if it ultimately doesn't lead back to the true God, well, then it's an idol. Let me just define it a little clearer than this. A God or a false God can be anything that demands your attention, your devotion, and shapes your life. This can be a bad thing, like an addiction or a sin. This can be a good thing, like a job or a degree program or even family, a spouse, your kids. It's when the thing that was meant to be a blessing from the Creator becomes the thing we worship, the thing we worship, when we get our ends and our means mixed up. And and, and if we don't understand that this is a constant temptation, that we are always under pressure to be moving something in the place of God, well, we're just naive. In fact, if you haven't thought about this for a while, you probably are slipping into some form of idolatry. Let's go ahead and take a look at what the Scripture says and how it warns us. Look what it says. It says this. Now, we're in Galatians chapter 4, Galatians 1, two and three, what have we learned so far? Well, that the gospel is the story of the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in him, we follow him, we put our trust in what he did for us on the cross, 
we have eternal life. If we put our trust in something else, well, then we change the gospel. We abandon the gospel. The other thing we learned is that the danger, the greatest danger of the gospel for most Christians is not that they're going to completely reject it, but that they're going to add something to it, some kind of agenda, some kind of religious ritual, some kind of work or morality clause where we say, to get to God, to get to Jesus, you need this story of Jesus, this gospel, plus something else. And what Paul wants to say, he says, you foolish Galatians, who've bewitched you, okay? You started with faith alone, you started with the Spirit, stick with that, stick with the gospel. And so we've been discovering that the gospel is this incredible message of, of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We also saw last week in Sean's teaching, which was a very powerful teaching, that that that. The gospel is radically inclusive. I mean, it is crazy inclusive. There just is not anybody who has gone too far, sinned too much, from the wrong group, not anything enough that there's not the power of God to redeem them and then include them. And here's one of the things we're going to discover. We're actually going to discover this in the next book we're going to study after Galatians. The next book we're going to study after Galatians, you can get a head start, is a little book called Philemon. And what that book teaches us is that, that when we come to Christ, when the gospel teaches us that we are children of God, and then we discover that other people are children of God, that means we're brothers and sisters. And so the gospel radically changes the way we look at, the way we treat, the way we relate to each other, that people are no longer other, they are brother, they are sister, and we're going to see that. So this is what we've learned so far. And so what now the Apostle Paul is really wanting them to see now is that if we don't hear his message of faith alone in the gospel, we are going to run the risk of adding something to the gospel, which is no gospel at all, and then creating a false god, and that's going to lead to slavery. Look and see with that if this isn't exactly what the scripture says. He says this. He said, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. That's the story, right? Jesus came, really lived, really died, really rose from the dead. This is the story. He said at the proper time God did that, so that, so that what was the reason? We might receive adoption as children of God. That is to say that the true God includes you in his family. He welcomes you as a child. He becomes not just father, distant and cold. He becomes Abba. He becomes precious and we become precious to him. Now when we understand that, when we believe that, when we remind ourselves of that, that our identity centrally is ch child of God, children of God, it changes everything. This is why we need to, listen now, preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. You say, what do you mean by that, preach the gospel? You need to remind yourself of the gospel. You need to read books like Romans and Galatians. You need to memorize verses that, like this verse that says we are children of God. And, and what we will be, man, that we can't even imagine. But we are children of God. And our destiny is secure. Our identity has been changed. Because when we're living in that reality, when we're focused on that, it protects us from the insecurity of saying, well, I'm not good enough. It protects us from, from the pride of saying, I, I, I can do fine some other way other than God. I, I don't know about you, but I live on this, pen, this pendulum of I slide from pride to shame. Pride to shame. Where half the time I'm just, I'm so prideful I think I can do without God. And then I swing back to the other side and the pendulum of shame saying, I'm too bad that not even God can forgive me. And, and here's what stands in the middle that keeps me from those extremes. The gospel. The, the story of Jesus Christ that tells me that I am forgiven, that I am accepted, that I am loved, not because of what I have done, but because of what he did. Some people say, you don't understand, I'm not good enough for God. Exactly. 
You never were. I never was. In fact, the truth is, if you think you're bad, you're probably worse than you think a lot of the time. But that never had anything to do with whether or not God was going to accept you. What makes God accept you is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That's your hope. And the more you can live that, meditate on that, embrace that, make that your identity, set that as your destiny, you live radically different. You live with a confidence. And listen now, a freedom that only comes from the gospel. When you forget that, when you had some kind of religion, some kind of agenda, some kind of moral crusade, some kind of whatever, and you say that's part of the gospel too, and you put that restriction on yourself, listen now, or anybody else that these people have to do this before I'm going to accept them, well then you are moving yourself into another gospel, and what you're creating is slavery. You know how you can tell if this is going on? Well, you start being defined by things like anger and fear and jealousy you start worrying about protecting what you have you start living as though you have to take responsibility and protect yourself you do things like you quit praying you quit spending time in the scripture you find yourself drifting away from God it's not that you wake up one day and you say I'm just going to walk away from God it's that slowly you drifted away and it's time now to preach the gospel again to yourself. So this is who we are. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. He goes on in verse 6. And because you are sons, uh, you are sons, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is the basis for an intimate love relationship. Abba means daddy. It means papa. It's the kind of thing a child would say crawling up onto the child's lap. It is intimate. It is beautiful. It is holy. It is the thing that is burned in parents' minds about their small children this beautiful close time of being with their child. This is God's desire. And so the center of the gospel, the fruit, I would say this, the fruit of the gospel is this love relationship we have with God. And so to preach the gospel to yourself is a return to this love relationship. It's coming back to this because we are children of God. Now notice he mentions the Spirit. Here in a couple weeks, Joshua is going to be leading, he's just got a great message about the person of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which is not something we earn, but something that's given as a gift. And that's going to be so central to us living in this freedom. So I just want to share that with you a little bit. But again, return to a love relationship. That is what sets us free. Now watch this. He says, you are so you are no longer slaves. He says, you were slaves before because before you had Christ, you were worshiping some other thing. You were controlled by some other thing. You were defined by some other thing. And again, that was your God. And any God but the true God is a false god. And so he says, you are no longer slaves, but children. And if children, then an heir through God. That is to say, you not only have your past forgiven, you not only are given a position of, of identity now, but you have a future. You are an heir to the things of God and the kingdom of God. And again, church, listen, I'm grateful for my American citizenship, but it so pales in comparison to my kingdom citizenship. That I am a child of God and I am part of a kingdom that will not perish and will not end. And that is the source of my ultimate freedom. And so this is the source of me living a free, free life. And he goes on, he says, formerly when you did not know God, when there was a time when you didn't know God, you didn't know Jesus, you didn't know the gospel, you didn't know the spirit. He said you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. He says you were enslaved to, to things like image management and pride, and, and, and wealth, and pleasure, and addiction, and, and just 
Just all the things that made you just small. Now, you may have convinced yourself you got it all together, but then in your heart of hearts, or maybe life exposed you, you just came to a point you realized, man, there's, there's not enough there, and I'm not significant enough. And that's when we turn to God and we realize, man, Jesus, I come to you, I got nothing to offer you, but I believe that you really lived, believe you really died, believe you really rose from the dead, put my faith and trust in that. I follow you, I love you. That's who I am, that's who I will be. He says, that's when you turned your back from your false gods because those other gods were enslaving you. They were enslaving you to brokenness and sin. And listen now, ultimately death. Both physical death, but more profoundly spiritual death. Now let's take a look. He says, but now, but now that you have come to know God, how? Through the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate revelation of God, who is the word of God spoken by God to us, since you have come to know God, or rather you are known by God, that it's not just this relationship where you're seeking him out and he's indifferent to us, he knows us. That word know there is a Greek word that has to do with intimacy, has to do with relationship. To be known by God is not just, well, I know of him or I've met him. It's a deep, profound spiritual relationship. If you're not living in that, well, you're probably enslaved to something else. But now that you have come to know God, or rather known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world whose slaves you want to become once more? He says, what are you doing? Why are you going back to your own self-effort? Why are you going back to getting your identity in what you do, or what you know, or what people think about you? Why are you buying into the cult of image management, that I want to look a certain way to a certain group of people, so I come across in a certain way? Why are you trusting in things other than God to give you significance, to give you security? Why are you getting so worked up about temporal, ordinary things that are passing away and, and are stealing you of joy, stealing joy from you. Why, why are you on an agenda to fortify and keep earthly temporary things that you cannot keep anyway? You know, why are you doing that? Why are you coming back to the, look at this, weak and worthless base, elementary, small principles of this world? You know what the principle of this world is? You know, it's about me, it's for me, i got to have stuff, got to take care of myself, I'm going to fight by their rules, I'm going to do things the way the world does. It makes us small and miserable. You have been called to so much more. See, Pastor Paul is passionate about this because he has discovered this freedom, he wants us to live in this freedom as well. Now look how he, he talks about this. Now I, I give this to you so that as you're going to study the book of Galatians, because I hope you're going to study this passage this week, you're going to study this passage this week, aren't you? Yeah, good. If you're watching online, give me a little heart. If you're going to watch this online, you're going to study this week. All right, anyway, so, so when you get to the second part of this verse, he's going to tell a little story. And it's an allegory or an illustration from the Old Testament. And it basically goes back to the time of this guy Abraham. This guy Abraham, he had two wives. Now, he got two wives through his own mess up. One of the wives was the one God gave him. The other one was one he wasn't supposed to have. And one wife was a representation of the promise God made to Abraham to make him a great nation and ultimately to bring the blessing to the entire world through Abraham's line. The blessing to the entire world, spoiler alert, is Jesus and the gospel. And so he says one of these wives represents the gospel, represents the promise we have fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He said the other one represents the law. That is to say man's best attempt to get to God, 
to make themselves significant, to create a life of meaning in and of themselves. He says one represents the promise, one represents the law. So look what he says. See, he said, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, two wives that led to two sons, one by a slave woman, so one represents slavery, and the other by a free woman, one represents freedom. And then basically he goes back and he uses that as an illustration. A few verses down he says, now this may be interpreted allegorically, these women are two covenants. So what's a covenant? A covenant is a basis for relationship. The Old Testament law and indeed any covenant but the new covenant in Jesus is legalistic, it's harsh, it's, it's demanding, and we can't live up to it. The new covenant is a covenant of the promise that basically says put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you will live. You will have eternal life. You will be included in God's family. So as you're reading this, understand what he's doing in this passage is giving you an illustration to say, look, you have two destinies in front of you. You can live in the tradition of slavery. You can live as a slave. This is true whether or not you're a Christian, by the way, or not. Because some people have accepted the gift of forgiveness and salvation as a Christian Jesus Christ, but they live as slaves. They're going back to the old elementary teaching. Paul is writing to Christians, Christians who have become enslaved again to religious ritual, to self-effort, to morality clauses, to some social agenda that they think is just their, their whatever. And so you can get enslaved to that. He's calling them to, again, preach the gospel of themselves, to remember, to not be bewitched, to not be enslaved, but to live free. And he uses this Old Testament picture as an allegory showing that this story was hidden even in the Old Testament. So I want to end my time by asking you a really important question this week. What is the slavery you are returning to? Okay, what is the slavery? Maybe for you, it's a slavery of shame. That I'm not good enough. I got to prove to myself. I got to add to it. I got to manage my issue, image. I got to look a certain way. And I'm returning to that slavery. And what you're basically saying is, you know, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you died on the cross for me, but I'm really concerned it's not enough. I'm really concerned I got to add something to it. And I, I'm not good enough, so I better add to it because I'm not sure the cross is enough. That's what we're saying when we add our self effort to make ourselves significant. We had our self-effort to complete our salvation. And Jesus just wants to say, listen, I didn't die for nothing. We looked at that passage last week. I died because there was nothing you could do for yourself. I totally provided for you. So maybe you're going to a, a slavery of, 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 of shame. Maybe you're in a slavery of pride where you're saying, you know what, I'm pretty good. I got some of this Christian, you know, stuff together. I've made some changes in my life. I'm certainly better than that one and that one and that one. I'm actually better than that whole group. And you find yourself becoming judgmental, and, and it's toxic right now. You go to Facebook or the political shows, and you put an entire category of people in the group of other. That, that's a kind of spiritual pride that is toxic to your soul. It will drive God out of your life. Beware. It is a form of slavery. It is a slavery that comes with pride. That you think, I'm good enough, I'm moral enough, I'm religious enough, I'm whatever enough. My opinion is writer, more writer, there's some good grammar, more writer than everybody else's. And therefore, I can feel superior. When you start falling into that, you are enslaving yourself. Maybe for you, it's a morality thing. Maybe for you, it's that, I, I think Christianity is not so much about the gospel, but it's about some other issue, some, some other thing I want to bring to the table, and you have no longer fallen in love with the gospel. Let, let me ask you this, for some of you who've been Christians for a long time, are you still amazed at the cross? Are you still overwhelmed at, at the amazing grace that God has given to you in Jesus Christ? 
If, if you've lost that awe in what has been given to you, if there's any part of you that thinks that in any way you deserve it, you've earned it, you've lived up to it, you need to take a step back. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. That you were never good enough. That we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that our only hope is when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, put our faith and trust in him, that is the gospel. That is the complete gospel. We can't add anything to it. So let me add some next steps. A couple next steps I just want you to practically do. Take a piece of paper, take a journal, and write on the top of that, my God's. And just ask the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to be honest and write everything that you have been given too much attention to, too much priority to. It's, it's driving Christ out of your life. It's making you angry. It's making you bitter. It's making controlling and making you afraid. And, and there may be some bad things on that. You say, I may be drinking too much, or I may be, you know, too concerned about my comfort, or I may be too concerned about materialism. It may be, you know, my kids have gotten way too important in my life. I put them in the place of God, or my spouse, or this person I'm dating, or this uh, agenda that I'm on, or this next election that's coming up, that I'm spending more time watching shows, reading things, and I'm hardly spending any time in God's Word. I'm, I'm, I, am, I am becoming something I want to do. Write out your gods and your potential gods, and then bring that list to God and just ask Him to reshape your heart, to make it something more profound. Second thing I want you to do is go back and read Galatians again. Said we did that last week and the week before. Do it again. Because you know what? You need to preach the gospel to yourself. See, how often do I need to preach the gospel myself? Every day. A couple times. To remind yourself that I'm a child of God because of what Jesus did. And there's nothing I did to get it. There's actually nothing I can do to mess it up. That is my identity. And my ultimate destiny is to be with him, to be like him, to be a good person from whom good things naturally flow all because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And that same message that was welcomed in my life, I need to welcome in every other person's life. And any person who embraces that, that is my brother, that is my sister. It doesn't matter their gender, doesn't matter their color, doesn't matter their voting preference, doesn't matter the mistakes they've made, the sins they've got, doesn't matter if you think they're better than you or worse than you. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the radical claim of the gospel. Changes everything, you see. So your next steps are, are you going to make that idol list? You're going to tear down some idols. You're going to read Galatians. So I want to remind you to save the date. Um, date August 16th. We are going to be uh, beginning live services again. Go to jacobswellchurch.church. Find out the details. You're going to be hearing more from us. We're going to be sending stuff out. And it's going to be awesome to gather up again together as a church. Because every week we gather up, whether it be online or in our groups, or now in these large groups that we're able to have now, large worship services, we're going to tell the story of the gospel. The, the songs, I don't even notice it, but most of the songs we sing here at Jacob's Well are just a reinstatement of the gospel. We sing the gospel to ourselves again. That's why they're so comforting. That's why they're so centering. And that's what we're going to start doing. And so we're going to be doing that again, church. Can't wait to see you. Thanks for checking us out this weekend. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, teach us the gospel again. Help us hear it again. Help us believe it again. Help us center our life on it again that we are sons and daughters of God. That is who we are. That is our identity. That is our reality. And that our destiny is for that to be fully lived out and be transformed into amazing people, good people from whom good things naturally come. It is by your grace. It is by your power. It is the gospel. Teach us to embrace and love the gospel all over again. In Jesus' name, amen.